What's up, everybody? It's your pal, Brandon, and uh, this is the second episode I've done in a series. I just interviewed Stella yesterday from Face Off, and today I have a special guest, Ray Esterlina. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, hi, Brandon. (laughs) Uh, We met probably, was it on a Nerdist shoot or something? Seven years ago, it was a Nerdist shoot at Fat Eye Studio. It was Baby Animal Battle Patrol, which is no longer viewable on the internet, ah, but it was weird. It was it was <laughs> glorious, actually. It was it was pretty great. <laughs> and you were were yep, you doing yep. wardrobe for that? Yeah, yeah I, uh, I started off in wardrobe and then uh, moved over to sets and props. Right on, awesome. Is that what you're doing now, or what are you up to these days? No, um, I've actually uh, done something I never thought I'd do and moved away from LA. Mm. Uh, pandemic sent me out west. Um, But I was born and raised Southern California, so it's been quite the change. Mm. And now I'm in customer care for an orthodontic company. All right on. Yeah, settling in and I'll I'll be getting creative again. Totally, yeah. Life takes you, you know, it has a habit of taking you where you need to be to follow your creative passions, you know. So today we're going to talk about, uh, and again, like after talking with Stella and stuff, and like just, I I guess where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm newly... I guess I would newly a part of the LGBTQ community, you know, like, well, officially, you know, because like, it's, it's weird, because like, there's so Mm -hmm. much just weird struggle of self and like, trying to find the right labels, trying to even being aware of the existence of labels or anything like that. There are so many complex issues that leads to like figuring one's identity. And I think that's kind of like the general gist of what we're going to talk about today. In all of the terms that I uh, figured out, like right now, it seems like trans and non-binary are the easiest to explain what I am. And also like demi-pansexual, I guess. Like, so that's just like the easy terms of like, Mm -hmm. That's me. I don't. I don't identify as those terms. It's just conceptual containers. To be like, hey, that's me. So let us know about you. Basically the same. Um, I use bi and pan interchangeably. Uh, fight me on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would consider myself <laughs> uh, demisexual, pansexual, and polyamorous. Yeah. See, that's that helps. Like that is a way in which terms help because now I immediately know a lot about mm-hmm. you. Uh, very easily because of these terms. Um, but also the, the problem would come is if I were to hold you to those terms, which like some sometimes happens. There's like right. there is a uh, there's a there's a gatekeepingness about the LGBT community that I was unaware of that really exists yeah. until I started to immerse myself within it. And, and I want to be very clear, like, I'm not talking shit on the, the LGBT community or anything. I just want to talk about things that people don't necessarily talk about because people are complicated and so are communities. Exactly. And um, I didn't throw this in before, but I guess <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm, I'm only a, a couple years ahead of you. I've been in the closet as a bisexual for over a decade. Um, I've known that I was genderqueer for several years, but um, it wasn't until... Uh, around 2016 that I actually started coming out and then started actually immersing myself in the community as well. And I I definitely have experienced the frustration of I'm trying to not, I hate the word explore Mm because it sounds so like, oh, are you just experimenting in college? But like you're putting yourselves in situations, you're, you're connecting with how you feel about that situation, you're connecting to with what turns you on and introducing yourselves to people who open that door so it's not because like fantasy isn't the same as reality <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> you come to find out mm-hmm. you know so um yeah as i'm 
exploring those things like I called myself pansexual because I was like it doesn't matter what your body is I like I'm attracted to just about everything like every size every you know mm-hmm. whole all the spectrum so I'm pansexual um and it, it's only been very recently discovering that like bisexual means what I am and what I, I am not mm-hmm. with everything <laughs> regardless of how you identify, but that gets, that's a hot topic and people will start fighting. It's like, well, you know, this also describes me, so I should be able to, you know, you can't dictate what this means if I also use the word per the definition and it means this for me. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, since that's a hot button topic, can you kind of open that up and explain this? Because honestly, actually, I'm not even aware of what you're talking about when it comes to, because yeah, pansexuality and bisexuality, the terms sort of butt up kind of next to each other and yeah i'm not really sure like let us know about this conflict you're talking about so yeah the how it was presented by the queer community because bisexuality has always been erased um there was you know in the early movements there was you know amongst the lesbian community there was called um gender traitor sex gender traitor okay yeah i think i've heard that before a traitor to your gender i can't think of the term but basically like you know, if I'm non-binary or I'm bi, then I'm a traitor to women. I shouldn't be proud to be a woman, that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of that energy. Mm. And so it was advertised by the opposing side as you're attracted to two genders, men and women, which means that you're confused and, you know, all this other stuff. But it actually, from the root of the bisexual movement, meant what your gender is and what your gender isn't or what your sex is and what your sex isn't. And so, I, you know, an argument arose there where it was like, well, that's still limiting because it's a binary, because if I am a woman and I'm attracted to what I'm not, but if I'm non-binary and I'm attracted to what I'm not, I'm like, and either I, there was a, the heads were budding because I was like, yeah, but it doesn't matter what you are. It's whatever you are and what you're not. And there, we couldn't land on the same page. Mm. And, you know, like I, whenever I get in a, an argument like that, I just start researching. I look at forums. I see what people are saying. I look at the history, and all of this. And like, yeah, that like I feel like I landed on what the heart of it is. But you also have to consider culturally how is it how has it been used? What does it mean to people when they hear it? You know, you can't latch onto a meaning of a word forever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I like part of me wants to like I want to reclaim bisexuality. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I get to do that because I'm bisexual. <laughs> yeah, totally. What I'm experiencing is um, is a unique sense of like profound joy and also like profound deep pain and trauma because as you realize you're a part of a community, me, I, I started diving into it. Like uh, once I realized I was trans, I started dri- diving into the trans community, like all aspects of that. And, it, and just so we're clear, again, it's like, Trans means if you identify as anything other than what's on your birth certificate, right? And that's that's the most blanket, general, accepted term of trans, which I find that some people are, are actually unaware of, even queer people. So uh, that's what we're operating for here. It's like an umbrella term, you know, all-encompassing. I had thought before I dove into the trans community that it was only 
through surgical means or augmentations, that's the only way to be trans. And I want to, again, always have to say there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Everybody is free to do exactly what they want and follow their path to find what they need. You know, that's the, the whole journey is about that. But it, the problem arises with when a mainstream society that already doesn't understand sort of marginalized communities uh, make this blanket assumption that, oh, you're trans, then you have to cross a threshold from one thing to another thing. Uh, and then that leads to this idea of passing, you know, and I, I think you wanted to talk uh, some, mm -hmm. some of, yeah, take us into that topic. Yeah, passing culture, um, incredibly toxic because mm -hmm. it inherently does the opposite of what it means to be transgender. If you want to be the polar opposite of what you were, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But that also expresses this idea that from the get-go, we're opposite of what you are. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't leave room for the non-binary. It doesn't leave room for people who don't want procedures. But, you know, if you're a trans woman and for whatever reason you never want a surgery, you still need to be respected as what you are. Mm -hmm. And how, what I like to think of, what like when I first started exploring this um, with myself, because I'm non-binary and I tend to be a little bit more masculine, but like sometimes I really like my tits and sometimes I want to cut them off because I'm, I'm more fluid. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so, you know, I like expressing all forms and it can be very frustrating to like feel like I can never be like fully masculine because I have boobs. Like that can be frustrating. But, you know, if I was a female assigned female at birth and identified as a female, um, I would be equally frustrated that I'm not as tall as Tilda Swinson, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not going to go out and like do a, what was that movie Gattaca and like make my legs longer, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to confirm with this idea of what I really like identify as like, I, I've always identified as a taller person than what I am. And that's not to undermine any kind of confirmation surgery, but it's something that I considered when I thought about, do I want to permanently alter my body? Mm -hmm. And one of the other things I like to, to go men or one of the places I like to go mentally is this idea that if surgery is necessary, if any kind of augmentation is necessary, that means that the validity of being trans only exists within modern medicine. Yeah, because absolutely. trans people have always existed. Non-binary people have always existed. And so I like to put myself 500 years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be there because there's a good chance that I was going to be in a society that would have put me in a mental institute or given me a lobotomy um, <laughs> if I you know, started dressing in other clothes or whatever. But aside from that, if we go outside of the material, you know, in, in the cultures where it might have been accepted, you just got to exist as you were. And the option of permanently altering yourself wasn't there. So, mm -hmm. you know, if if I identified as a, as a masculine soul um, and I wanted to do typical masculine things, then I'd just be like, sign me up. And mm -hmm. there we are, and now I fit within this part of society. I wouldn't have to alter myself, but I, was, I could still be at peace with myself. And again, as you said, there are legitimate ca uh, cases of like complete dysphoria where you really do for your mental health need changes completely valid. But I think we're exploring more into the more superficial aspects that are ideals of youth 
ideals of societal's current standards of beauty. So you can feminize yourself without having huge lips, without shaving your jaw, without doing these really extreme things all at once. And again, I can't say this enough. It's completely valid if you want to do any of those things. Absolutely. This is a nuanced conversation and Mm -hmm. it does make me nervous saying stuff like this because um, I do not want to devalue anybody who who goes through that. But I also do know trans people who are going through surgery and there were surgeries that they did. And they're like, I'm so glad I did that. I always wanted that. I feel more at peace. And I'm like, that's great. But you know, they did a lot to their face that their plastic surgeon just was like, well, if you want to look feminine, you need to do this, 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 and that. And she's like, if I had known how much that would have put me through and how different I would have looked like, she looks like a completely different person. Um, she doesn't, you know, look like the feminine version of what she was. And, you know, of course, I'm non-binary. I love everybody. So I thought she was always absolutely stunning and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that it's that nuance. And it takes so much work to to be able to really know, you know, how much do I need to do to myself to be at peace with my body? And I feel like so much of the motivation is external mm-hmm. of what we're told is feminine or masculine and it pushed like you mentioned that still pushes us into a binary you're either this or you're either that yeah yeah absolutely and you know and it's like you know for people like us that are non-binary it's like that presents even an issue for us to exist because and again yeah there is a completely valid way um but then sometimes people that make take drastic uh, steps to cross the threshold into being perceived as like what they they want you know it's like then when we come in here and we exist in this liminal space um then it it leads to a lot of confusion of like from all sides from like the heteronormative culture also within the queer community like it's, it's like i don't think because societally we haven't really necessarily allowed for like an intersex uh like a third gender you know basically throughout history like all indigenous Mm -hmm. cultures and stuff acknowledge a third gender you know like which is a mix of masculine feminine uh and it's you know to me man and woman are two opposite ends of they're two poles you know uh, but of a spectrum that is like free for anyone to pursue in any fashion but see the problem arises that society doesn't allow most people to even explore that spectrum because there's a stark divide in between it says you got to be this or you got to be this and it's like it's all very much like associated to you could even take it back to like capitalist culture you know and how advertising has become all of the things we think we know come from advertising and this world, this, mm-hmm. this capitalism, the problem with capitalism is that it fucking runs on capital, you know? And it's like, if you don't have, you're always constantly extracting capital from something and you're always constantly manufacturing a need from someone for that capital. So what happens when you, these beauty standards, these, uh, these ideas of what you need to be thinner, so buy these weight loss products, you need to be uh, more feminine, so buy these beauty products, you know, you, get, you need, it's always, you need something outside of yourself that this, this external world is trying to convince you of. And then that undoubtedly starts to bleed into your subconscious. And then you start making decisions. Because personally, like like me, I can speak from, you know, slowly I felt this, like when I was 16 and I was coming into my own, I started to wear women's clothes. I was wearing makeup. You know, I was like fucking like, ah, this is great. You know, like I looked at myself in the mirror, you know. But then the world fucking came crashing down upon me like every single day of my life. Uh, and I was like, so eventually, I, it just became easier to just fucking blend in, you know? And, and then this is, 
this is what and then it but it happened so subconsciously to me which actually led to like almost a decade yeah. of alcoholism on my part but you know it's so it's all we are inundated with external influence to affect our perception of ourselves and uh, the the main point that i want to stress is if anyone does want to take uh any kind of means to look the way that they want. Just make sure you start that journey from a place of what you want and not what society wants, you know? Yeah, I have so many stories um, like that. In middle school, I was like all masculine. Like I wanted to be one of the guys. I didn't like the phrase tomboy, but like me and a friend were the first uh, females, quote unquote, um, to ever join the wrestling team. And it was just like me and my friend Cassie were like, they like announced it over the speaker and they're like, anybody wants to sign up for the uh, wrestling team, go to room 304. And we're just like, looked at each other. And we're like, hey, you want to join the wrestling team? Yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. Nice. Like, we signed up. I broke my arm on the first day. I came back <laughs> and there were 10 girls on the team. Wow. It's the And it's the only year they ever had women on the team because the next year they didn't allow it. And I, I, I constantly have to like go back in my memory and like comfort that child because... Uh. Yeah. I should have sued their butts off. Um, that was a, a segue. Um, <laughs> but in high school, um, I started being more feminine. Um, I think part of it was because I, I was wanting to be attractive, but I was still freaking weird. Like I was a class favorite as the most unique. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think part of it too is that I was getting really, really, I got more and more conservative up until high school. Mm. So I was starting to fit that idea idea of like a wife Mm. and by the time I graduated high school I was like I want six kids every Christmas and birthday gift I want it to be some sort of kitchenware I'm gonna learn how to cook I will clean my friends houses for free so I can practice like I was like actively trying to be the ideal wife Mm. Um, (laughs) and then I got married and then I got divorced and then I was like what the hell's going on like i did everything right and then uh when i was in la i went swing dancing uh like once or twice a week Mm -hmm. and i love retro stuff so i think right around the time that you met me actually i was in that mode of like i always had the finger waves in my hair and i always did like the dark eyeshadow and i always had these like really cute outfits on like i looked fucking cute yeah you looked awesome but i just one day woke up thank you (laughs) one day i woke up and i suddenly like realized like shit like i don't want to wear another fucking dress ever and i i realized that i got addicted to people's attention because Mm -hmm. never in my i was always a weirdo Mm -hmm. i i wasn't conventionally attractive and for the first time in my life i was turning heads people were complimenting all the time they were asking you know where can i do what you're doing um guys were giving me attention and i got addicted to that and it took such a long time for me to realize that that's external motivation mm-hmm. even though i enjoyed it i was putting on a mask mm-hmm. to make people respond to me a certain way because i think i'm attractive but i'm not conventionally attractive and so when people start affirming that i'm attractive subconsciously you're gonna the ego gets addicted to that the mm-hmm. ego is just like i need to identify i need to i need to constantly affirm that i'm an individual and this is who i am and any outside of it is threatening and scary and and all of that and it is very addictive to have that kind of attention um which is why i never actually want to be famous <laughs> no thanks yeah you know i i have a unique perspective like i got i got famous enough i call it i guess you know to like to see a lot of things like I, i'm slowly realizing that like i've always had an issue with like 
how most institutions are run. <laughs> so like every time like a new door opens for me, like there's been many instances of my life where like it's weird because like uh, you know I I got famous as this Sig Neutron uh, character, which is actually a character of mine that you know, and I just sort of adopted the moniker uh, back when I was like you know fresh to LA trying to be like an artist and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, I went on Face Off and then I, I used that name. And then so everybody began to like, that's Sig Neutron, you know. And then it's weird because like almost like six or seven years after the show, it's like it's very difficult for me to break ground on any any new creative fronts that's not to deal with Face Off because people just associate with me as the Face Off guy, you know. And it's like th that's really cool. And I really appreciate all of the like, you know, like, I absolutely appreciate that. But then it's like it has become such a fixed idea in people's minds that they can't see me for anything else other than face off. And it's like I've done so much before face off and I've done so much after. But still, it's like it, it's it's tough, you know. And then it's like, man, when I came out. Yeah, it's I've, I've lost a good like 30,000 followers since then. So it's like it's wow. it, yeah. Wow. Right. It's like it, it's kind of just a. Okay, you know, I mean, that's a pretty substantial number for people to just like probably not be okay with who I am. So it's like, I feel like we still have work to go, you know, which is also like why I want to do these podcasts and why I want to like talk about these things and stuff. And uh, I guess that kind mm -hmm. of like sort of goes into the next issue like that you and I were sort of talking about too is like, this is like an incredibly complex uh, topic. So I want to make note of that before we open it up. But also, like, when it comes to drag and transness, like, I I love drag culture. I've been adjacent to it. Um, you know, I'm big fans of, like, Divine and, like, John Watt, like, trashy, you know, like, punk rock uh, counterculture type drag, right? And then I feel like the mainstream of what drag is, thanks to, like, RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff, has become a sort of a weird, disfigured uh, facade of what, like, drag actually is. And especially when drag was started by trans people, but then you have the most visibly visible drag person globally, undoubtedly, as RuPaul, saying trying to separate trans from drag it is is very strange to me. You know what I mean? And it also lends. So when you prop up uh, cis gay men as the standard for drag, then you create again this paradigm of like people just seeing men in dresses. And then that's that's what the mainstream like associates that idea with. So then it creates this big space that's like hard for me because like now people can, they just immediately look at me and they assume man in a dress, even though like, I, I'm you know what I mean? It's like, it's so much deeper than that, but it's like, it almost like reduces my existence to a, um, I don't know, like a caricature. And it's like, I don't know that there's an easy answer on this. I just, it's just something I feel like I need to talk about because I've been unpacking it for a while, you know? Like, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, we definitely both touched a chord on this uh, a while ago. And you would think my, I, I took a while to warm up to drag at all. Um, and you would think with my history, it was because of my conservative upbringing, but it was actually the masculine in, in me as an AFAB that just wanted to be like, fuck you to anybody who told me I had to be a certain way. Um, you know, in middle school, I had these giant eyebrows. I literally, I tried doing like a Gwen Stefani and it just turned into like inchworms, little skinny little inchworms. <laughs> and it, it was horrid and my eyebrows never grew back. And I literally did that because a gay guy was like, honey, you need to do something with those. And when I would see anything drag, it would make me sick to my stomach because I'd be like, that doesn't, that they don't look like women. 
Mm-hmm. Like to me, a woman lo- looks like my grandma, um, looks like you know, indigenous women I see. It looks natural. Mm-hmm. There's no makeup. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that's what I've always been attracted to. Expression is fine. Again, mm-hmm. also putting it out there. Totally fine. Express yourself. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't, even on makeup, doesn't make you who you are. You're whatever you are outside of that outward expression. So when I would, when I'd see drag, it made me sick to my stomach because I felt that pressure like I like seeing it was just like seeing like my whole life of advertising and pressure to be a certain way that I fought against my entire life just like coming at me (laughs) and it's loud (laughs) and 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 so I steered away from the queer community because being in LA you know I associated queer community with you know the gay bars around Santa Monica Boulevard and you know the trans bars and trans shows and basically rich gay white cis men that happens to be the group of people that i have always felt most ridiculed by and it it did keep me away from the queer community for quite a long time because i was afraid of it because it was just like yeah there's this group of people who have these like idolized beauty standards and they celebrate by you know doing caricatures of women and if I, I was afraid of getting close because I, in my mind, it was just like this big, loud ball of like everything I've fought against, you know, that I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to shave my legs. And it, it's just coming at me and it's being celebrated. And that was terrifying for me. Um, but as I've had stepped in and started educating myself in the trans community, there is a lot of blending. Um, and I think you had mentioned it first that like drag is the most uh, open that a trans p- person could have expressed themselves until very, very recently. And still some places still that's the only place that they can do that. And, you know, drag has its own identity, too. It's not just like drag is a spectrum in itself. There are yeah. cis gay men who dress in drag there are queer masks that like to have female expression mm-hmm. there are some trans women you know so it's like and, and everything in between so you know you can't lump them all together but i had hadn't seen that part for the longest time and you know uh with things like rupaul it does it, it literally makes feminization a competition mm-hmm. so you know people like it because they're like oh you know it's supportive and it's community and they're getting visibility and it's like i just see it as like people crying because they failed at performing (laughs) enough and it it's it's just a weird nuanced thing where it both uplifts and hurts the community that it's technically a part of yeah yeah and i feel like it's it's just strange too because like again like once i realized that i like i've I have to say, like, I've known I'm trans my whole life, but I, I suppose, like, I forgot, you know, like, because through just chaotic confusion of self. But mm-hmm. um, but now finally putting that puzzle together, it was like almost immediately my perception of drag switched. And it's like, and I, I'm, rec- I'm trying to reconcile it, you know, through conversation and through, like, just, um, you know, kind of unpacking it. Because, like, it really is, it's like, I mean, at its core... You know, drag is about how well can a man transform into a woman to pull off the illusion that the man is is a woman, you know? And then that's sort of like its whole, that's its whole shtick. That's its whole thing that it's built on, you know? But now it's like, 
culture and the conversation develops and we realize like trans people have absolutely been erased from history because I didn't know that trans people existed until like actually fairly recently. I, I didn't know like I you know I grew up in the Midwest in Indiana this like completely um, I want to immediately say regressed it's a little harsh but you know like in the Midwest it's like they're there are not, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's not that harsh because of what I've experienced. You know, it is, it is regressed. Uh, and the burden of proof of my own existence seems to always fall on my own shoulders somehow. And then that, and then things like, I suppose in some ways, things like drag make it more difficult for me to insist that I am a real valid person who doesn't want to parade on stage. You know, like I want to dress up and go out and show my true self, but I'm not I, I, like I've never done drag and I don't know if I necessarily have any I don't think I want to do drag you know like because like I, for me it's like I, I live the truth you know that I am and it's not just a costume I wear on stage and that I could take off and then blend back in with society like I'm trying to move into an area where I can be myself every day of my life and be accepted and respected as a valid person you know and then that's tough because like I, the more i dive into trans artists i listen to their music and stuff there's always the common thread of exhaustion because we have to like whereas most people like even when it comes to like racism and things like this which like i know each each issue like racism xenophobia you know like uh, it's all like transphobia it's all a separate issue within the intersectionality of like oppression and hate and stuff so there there's definite lots of crossover because whereas like someone like is a racist like they actually believe in the race that they're you know discriminating against because they they see that you know but whereas like with people like me like we're like insisted out of existence like oh no you're you're just a man you know i know for instance like that that thing that happened like just recently like someone literally went on my page oh, and like God. that was came from a very uh religious background and this this was traumatic to me because uh, I, that's all I grew up around. It's like very scary, like t to a scary degree, religiously indoctrinated people, you know? So this, that situation opened up a whole like trauma thing that actually like it helped because I, I was able to deal with it, you know? So that was situation was the catalyst. So that's how I try to look at every like negative thing that comes my way. But again, it just illustrated my point that this person was like, I know for a fact you're a man. They also went on to say that I have a sexual dysfunction and like uh, my my embracing myself must have been the result of sexual abuse. And, th and it's like, this is like actual, th like that's one person, but many, many, I would even go to say it's like at least millions of people actually do hold on to that uh, ideology. And it's like incredibly harmful to like, and, and just exhausting to try to live in a world where you're just like, hey man, look, I'm a man and a woman, this is me, uh, I exist. But then you're just like laughed at constantly and not taken seriously and just it, it insisted that you don't exist. It's weird, you know, it's like a weird thing that trans people uniquely have to deal with. Yeah, this definitely is a bit of a segue, but um, I also was traumatized by the message that Brandon was sent because I happen to have known that person uh, way back in the day. He was one of the first people that uh, when I moved from Orange County, California up to LA, one of the first people that I had become friends with. And I, I was always somewhat kind of like, I don't know about this guy because, you know, was, he would outwardly preach one thing and then be doing something else behind the scenes. And I just never appreciate that. And he yeah. always had this idea of this is what a woman is. And if I was upset, it would be like, you have a nice smile. And I'm like, you really think I give a fuck? Like, that's not gonna fix my day if I happen to have a nice smile. Like, he's 
he's one of those people that like he's always been this way he's never grown and you know this this is a very nuanced conversation because it touches on ableism but there is a, a a level of lack of intelligence and the way that people's brains are we are very wired to want to belong to a group mm-hmm. um that is why we survived that's what we we evolved from the people who figured out how to be together and conform enough to exist together and function as a unit but we don't have that primal need to do that we still we really really do need to come together and be able to function together and care about each other and not hoard you were crazy if you wanted to hoard more than you needed um now it's the opposite but there you think about like okay this person belongs to this group it is very easy for a person like him to enter a charismatic prophetic a Christian community and be accepted by it. Mm-hmm. I did reach out to somebody else I knew from that church and be like, "This is really. Do you know anybody who is close contact?" And he's like, "No, not that guy. He's the worst." You know. <laughs> <laughs> so the frustrating thing is, it's not the people that were like, "This guy can just be the absolute worst." It's that the community that people like him belong to don't correct. Um, you know, it's it's you know, like as a white person, it's my job to be an ally and speak to other white people about racism. Is mm-hmm. you know, like what. Whatever group you belong in that is doing negative things, it is your responsibility to call out people who are being evil. And so it's not, you know, I I was in the church and I thought that I was going to a liberal church and I actually stepped away in 2016 because, (laughs) well, let's not go there, but (laughs) November 2016, uh, very traumatic month. And I, I realized it wasn't that I knew that half the people there would love me and want me to be there no matter who I was. It was the fact that that place harbored 50% of the people that felt like they had to pray for me. Or if I got sick, would be like, well, Ray's still fighting with that gender demon or their sexuality or mm-hmm. you know, everything just then suddenly your relationship with God is about how they perceive what you're doing right and wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how we got here. Oh, because we brought up DJ. But, you know, he's in L.A., you know, and that's something I realized, too. I was afraid to move to the Midwest. Um, Mm -hmm. I came here because I know some trans people that live here, and I'm like, all right, you're existing, and you're okay, so maybe I can exist in Columbus, Ohio. It's not the best. Like, don't move here. You don't have to, but like, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of working. I, I got a girlfriend for the first time in my life and she's great. Right so, <laughs> um, the same people are everywhere. It's just in some places, a certain group is louder than another group. Mm-hmm. So there are one of the highest concentrations of hate groups in Southern California. But that doesn't mean, <laughs> it, it, what I'm trying to say is the hate and the love are going to be wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And certain people are going to be louder. And you just have to know how to find your pockets and be safe. You know, I think I'm rambling. I think I've yeah. lost the plot. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> it, it brings us to another good point that like, again, I like to just sort of unpack these things. I don't necessarily I, I rarely say I have answers to anything and I rarely claim to be right about anything. I just, you know, have perspectives. Um, but I've been noticing like, yeah, as these situations arise, a lot of people tell me, you know, just ignore it, you know, oh, just ignore it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like. That's starting to, it's, I, I, I know what they mean, right? Absolutely, I understand, and I agree with their sentiment. But also, the, the overwhelming amount of people giving me that advice st- is starting to feel like we're just writing off the problem. 
You know, it's like, it's almost like, because honestly, like transphobia and, and racism and xenophobia, these should all be treated on the same level of like issue because they are the same uh, inherent problem, which is discrimination, you know, and it's and it, discrimination is discrimination wherever you, whatever form it takes, you know, it almost feels like eventually it starts to feel like being written off as just like, okay, you know, just ignore that part. But it's like that part of the world exists so aggressively that it's like, I and and many other people are afraid to even like go out and exist as true people because of people like that sentiment, you know, it's like, and so it's like, I feel like we should be moving away from the advice of just ignore it to like, I don't know how to like, we do need to progress as a society. And I don't think there's any easy answer. But it's like, how do we like, because again, it kind of goes back to like, if I'm supposed to, like, educate people on the nuances of drag versus trans, but then yet, like, people don't even see me as, as a real person, like, that, that conversation becomes impossible to have with anybody, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, this is kind of like a little bit of what I'm feeling about certain things right now. Yeah, but. I think we think of everything in extremes, and what you're describing is 100% gaslighting. Like, it's not okay and we need to cut it out. I, I think I had, with the DJ thing, I had sent you a message of, like, these kinds of people aren't worth our energy. Um, and then immediately it was like, fuck this, I'm coming after this guy. Because <laughs> I realized that like, that is instinctually what's in me is like, you know, they're not worth our energy. It's blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no. And, and this is kind of where I feel like Buddhism could really help the queer community because every aspect of existence is dichotic. And we have to be able to learn how to be at peace in our minds within ourselves, completely outside of the external while holding this dichotomy of, yes, this person wasn't worth our emotional energy and we should maintain boundaries, but they are also actively doing something that is traumatizing. And in that moment, uh, righteous anger is acceptable. Like the Dalai, <laughs> I was listening to a book and the Dalai Lama is like, peace does not mean apathy. Peace doesn't mean inaction. There is such thing as a righteous anger. If someone is doing something violent, they must be stopped. But taking that action to stop them, which in this case was me holding up a boundary, which completely infuriated him. I was like, if you want to talk to me privately, you can publicly apologize and you can read every comment in this thread that is very clearly describing how hurtful your words were. And his response was to like, he like commented on like every post from all of my accounts being like, are you too chicken to message me? And I'm like, no, I just... I'm not, that's the energy I'm not going to give you. Uh But at the same time, I didn't sleep that night. It was very traumatizing. And all of those things are happening at once. And as we do the emotional work of healing, there are going to be catalysts where we have to be like, okay, the reason why that particular event was so traumatizing was because I saw, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. I saw that happen to you and I saw red and I wanted to fight for you. And I realized I wasn't willing to fight for myself. I was like, I did the good vibes only and just deleted his comments. And I didn't deal with my own trauma and I didn't fight up for for myself. And when it happened to you, I suddenly was like, you know, it's like all those really cliche memes. It's like, treat yourself the way that you would want, like talk to yourself the way you'd want to talk to your friends, fight for yourself the way that you fight for your friends. And I, so it just kind of unleashed all of those years of me wanting to be myself and reaching that place of like, I'm at peace with whom I I am. And either somebody tells me I'm evil 
or someone in the queer community tells me that I need to do something to conform or a fight, we start infighting about what a word means and you lose that peace. And uh, yeah, that, and that's kind of where I feel like the Buddhism, Buddhism fits in of we can have these discussions and we need to be able to heal and we need to be able to talk to each other. Um, but we also need to like fight for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like um, what I'm realizing too, because like, you know, I've done, a, I've studied a lot of philosophies and religions and cultures and stuff for like, you know, to like thinking about a reverentism, bringing it all together and how does it all fit. And we have to be nonviolent, but also like I, I'm realizing there, there has to be we have to have boundaries and we have to defend ourselves and our communities um, in in ways that, you know, like that we're not afraid to stand up and make it. Because like, yeah, if nobody says things to people like that, then they keep doing it to other people, you know. And it's like the first thing I, I thought about when that guy said that to me, I was like, I, this person is saying this to other people. And then lo and behold, like you come into the picture and absolutely this person was saying things to other people. The main positive of that whole situation was one, it actually it helped me unpack all of the trauma that I experienced mainly from religious people back when I grew up and then two it helped you be able to like revisit that situation with a newfound strength and actually hold your boundary and like and feel good and it's like I feel like for you that like I know when that happens to me like I feel like I have a personal breakthrough and it's like I level up and it's like wow okay that felt really good to like stand up for myself you know and it's like I wasn't doing that for the longest time I had no boundaries and that's why I was constantly getting taken advantage of because when you extend the courtesy when you have this like just eternal like I don't know love and just like positive mindset I always see the extreme best in everyone I interact with you know and I completely overlook any of their like negative traits because I, I see the potentials that we can accomplish together, you know. So um, but then that's gotten me into a lot of trouble because like not a lot of not everyone extends you that same courtesy. Uh, everyone has their own motivations. Mm-hmm. Everyone's at a different level of awareness and uh, and motivation, you know, and and that's and boundaries are just so important. That's I think that was the aside that I wanted I, to make. I love boundaries so much. Thank you, Brene Brown, for taking me down that that path. <laughs> I'm never going back. And yeah, with the the religious trauma. I've always been a very empathetic person. Like I remember in first grade, just like laying in bed crying for people I didn't know. Like why do people have to suffer? Yeah. <laughs> this world's weird. You know, I've always been very connected to this universal idea of like, why am I okay and someone else isn't wanting to look out for people and wanting to believe the best in them. I was a chronic codependent person. I had abusive relationship after abusive relationship. And I'm not just talking about romantic. I mean, just allowing abusive people to advantage and having no idea of how to maintain those boundaries. And um, I, it wasn't until I stepped away from Christianity that I started feeling like this permission to be like, I can love you as a soul and be like, but you don't get any access here. Um, And, you know, this person that messaged you, like, he was just so offended that I wouldn't hold an audience. And I'm like, you don't get to, but he is in that culture of get like, you know, always give, always give, um, but not in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, I always give people the courtesy of show me who you are but once i see who you are i'm going to set up those boundaries and those are going to stay there yeah <laughs> I, I like the i saw a video that went around and it was two little girls playing patty cake but it went don't be polite to men that creep you out don't be <laughs> polite to men that creep you out and i just like i was like yes <laughs> 
because like that's what like that is a healthy boundary absolutely. and we're not top we we were not taught that yeah absolutely yeah we're like i'm slowly realizing we're not taught like a lot of things um and and namely um <laughs> you know like well what's weird is that we are obviously real legitimate people queer people existing in what is currently a heteronormative world undoubtedly um, but me personally, I don't believe that heteronormativity is, is, I don't think it's the default setting of humans. Like, I, I, th I think, like, if anybody, if you, if you dive into the gender studies, the site, like, the history of just human beings, we're, we're obviously not inherently heterosexual. It's just, it's just it's not a thing, you know? Um, but the society will tell you that. And it, it, that's, it just, like, creates so many um, strange discrepancies in what we know to be true about our own selves but then then the world says something different so if you don't have a strong will you will succumb to the the world that tells you who you are you know and 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 part of this period in history where we're at right now is a lot of people are emerging on the scene that have been swept under the rug and now it's forcing people to re re-examine and reassess life in a way but a lot of people don't want to do that you know and, and I think the reason why trans people get swept under the rug is because we're, we're difficult in a sense that we're difficult to explain in the normal binary, heteronormative binary, because like it makes everything simple. It's like men and women have your picket fence, have your, have your, just reproduce, create, consume, you know, via capitalist culture, like by our capital that we extract mm -hmm. from you, you know? And, uh, but then it, like trans people like completely destroy that, you know, it's like, it's like a new way of, of freedom and free self-expression and stuff. And the system does not want people being free like that. It doesn't want people being inspired and it doesn't want people having a profound sense of genuine self because you can't manipulate people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bring people into very clear demographics as uh, we both know working in industries that have target audiences. Like what happens to a target audience when the target keeps moving? Like companies can't put their dollar on it. They can't find investors for it, you know? So there is this motivation and like our ideas of drinking milk. We had a surplus of milk in the United States and they decided to convince us we have to milk every day. Diamonds are inherently have no value. De Beers in the forties just made that shit up. Like yep. everything you could possibly think of originated as a campaign to convince people that this is the way to be and then we just believe it and yeah. you know like i i had a wedding because i got married i didn't want a fucking cake we didn't want cake and like people freaked the fuck out like you can't have a wedding without a cake and i'm like why not you want pie. Like, <laughs> no, like, but like it blew people's minds and that was so like that was when i was super conservative and i was getting married but i was still like Fuck your no Yeah, that's what's We're going to do what we want to do. <laughs> but something's, you know, what would happen to happen, like the wedding, like I worked in the wedding industry. It is sickening how every aspect of our lives is choreographed by people who are in industry. Even up until when you die. Yeah. Like, that's just been since the Civil War that you have to spend tons of money when you fucking die. I was just about to bring that up. You can't die yep. without debt. Yeah, it's fucking it the, the funerary like, I, industry. I, Holy fuck, man! Like, what a fucking scam! It's really the, like it was literally just like shysters that started the industry, and now they're just like doing but, shit, unnecessary shit to your body that is gonna fucking decompose anyways, like back into the earth. You know, it's like, but then the casket and all this shit, like, 
funerary expenses and just like there's so many institutions and in how we handle life right now like i think what we're experiencing right now is almost it, it it's a soft collapse of society i would call it um because if you look supply lines are all fucked up right now you know so many people are in debt like the the currency the u.s dollar has completely fucking lost any sort of meaning if it's not you know it, it only means something that people that don't have it you know what I mean? The people that have an abundance of it, it's just it's just freedom, you know? So the rest of us are like yeah. scrambling for this idea of freedom that's so fucking skewed and so controlled by so many predatory institutions that there's like this this way of life is not conducive to finding one's truth. It's just not. It's just made to like make you feel defeated and broken so that you just become uh, dependent on this system. Like everything in life, like once if, if you've been pushed in that direction and you're told how you be again, like your brain is just dying to belong. And, you know, there, there's reason why all those old plays, it's like exile is worse than death. Being separated from your community is worse than death. It scientifically fucks up your brain, which eventually fucks up your body and you get sick. Like you're not, you're, you're not happy as a whole if you're not a part of community. And I, I feel like both with capitalism and both with how labels are working, we're constantly trying to narrow down and make the group that we belong into smaller and smaller and more niche. And it's like, okay, that's where for me, it's like labels help describe to you how I identify, but I don't want to only associate with those people. I don't want to only belong with those people. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to belong with everybody. Well, <laughs> I'm everybody to be on <laughs> I, i'm with you i, I totally I get it be, uh, i don't i don't want to belong with everybody but like <laughs> i, I want to live in a world where you know if everybody could belong together then i would want to belong with everybody but you know, yeah I, it's it, it's definitely hard you know i don't think coexistence is that hard it's just been made hard by people that have a vested interest in our like divided existence is, is really what it is you know mm -hmm. and it's uh, I think that we're starting to, I really think there is an awakening happening. I, I know it. People are, mm -hmm. uh, you know, waking up to these ideas of, to see that the system is not what it said it was, you know? And and I, it's, it's a weird point in history because, like, we are at a crux of, like, um, where we're going to go as a society here. And the more vigilant, the more self-aware beings that we have on this planet, uh, the more probability that we are going to be directing ourselves towards a future of progress and acceptance and community and compassion. Uh, whereas like a system of tyranny and control and division, which is like kind of the track we're on right now. And all of these things that are happening right now is, is society's like, we're, we're trying to wake up right now, you know, and then it, we're seeing these things and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting time right now. <laughs> it's it for me like this is gonna sound like a comment but like i try not to hold on to hope too much um part of finding peace for me is like i'm gonna continue fighting for what i believe in and for what i think is morally right um which just means dignity and freedom and love for everybody um <laughs> but as is a person who really loves history you know like i i listen to over 40 hours of lectures of Egyptian history. And it's just like, oh, fuck, awesome. nothing's ever changed. <laughs> really? Like, it wasn't that different than like, there was a, a, a pharaoh who was female. And it was the first time that instead of the, the pharaoh's wife becoming like queen and ruling, she is just like, nah, I'm pharaoh, I'm putting on the beard. 
and put her names on everything. And when she died, all of the priests and the record keepers went around and scrubbed her name from the history books. And they know that because they can see where like, okay, her signet used to be here. Um, and they try to rub it out and it's like, fuck, like, yeah, like even in societies where everything is a little bit more fluid, there was still this idea of this is what's right. And human, like even in societies that were more accepting that mindset of allowing this person to exist, it might damage the group that I belong in and ability to succeed. So we're going to oppress that. To make sure that we, this group that has always kind of been in this role, gets to continue on in it. Um, so, you know, I, I hope I, I do look forward to seeing things continue to change. But there's also this kind of expectation of like, how do I access peace if it doesn't, and how do I maintain my peace if because if I can't maintain peace, then there's no point in fighting for peace. You know, like mm-hmm. I have to be able to maintain my own peace. Definitely. Um, yeah and it's um yeah self self care self like awareness like really all that exists is the self you know it's like i'm talking to you uh and you're talking to me but like i'm i'm broadcasting from myself you know it's like i'm limited to my own personal perspective and as you were saying earlier you know we are so much more than our bodies you know and this is something i've come to realize so it's like i know not everybody thinks that way um but also it's like my transness is directly related to my spirituality too. It's like there's there's two concepts, one and the same, because like there I've I've done countless like research and things and learning about um, you know alchemy and stuff and like the more I progress on my spiritual path, it brought me back to what I had forgotten, which I am trans. You know, it's like w- my time in Indiana, mm-hmm. I sealed that up like an envelope. And like put it on, like hid it somewhere that I thought I would never find it again because I went to LA to become someone new, you know? And I did. I actually, I absolutely went to LA, became Sig Neutron, and completely forgot about like trans Brandon, you know, that was just like really trying to express themselves in a hateful world, you know? Now that I'm getting back to that, it's like, you know, it just all makes sense, you know? And, and I believe that we're talking like future, like down the way here, but people are gonna start to realize that like, transness and stuff is is a fluidity in one's own mind and own being and it's it is all contingent you're always in control of the experience unless you until you let external factors influence your thinking and then you start operating based on programming and and that's another thing of society we're all realizing that we were programmed in some form or another uh to think a specific way and once you realize like one instance of your programming then you start to realize a lot of it's like putting on the glasses and you're like holy shit like was any decision my own you know it's like it's (laughs) yeah and that's the dichotomy that no that's perfectly but that's the dichotomy that i was speaking about because it's like yeah every experience you ever have is in your own head but at the same time you are a bag of flesh and chemicals and sensories and you know as much as I didn't want to give that guy my energy, it knocked me out for a week. I it I wasn't functioning for three days straight, and today's the first day where I'm starting to feel back on my feet again. And it's like, you don't want to tell people that, you know, good vibes only, um, you can have a good experience if you want to. It's like, no, we're going to suffer. Like, we're going to experience pain, fully feel the pain, accept the pain. I feel like a lot of times where I spiral out is when I 
don't want to accept the pain and I'm I'm bitter or sad or frustrated that the pain is there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, you know, frustrated the pain's always been there. I've, you know, trigger alert, I've dealt with suicidal ideation since I was eight. Because mm-hmm. um, this world does not make sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you do not want to tell people that they won't experience pain, but that's different from learning how to navigate that and heal and become whole enough in yourself that when you're experiencing that pain, it's you're seeing it outside of yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really love, uh, like I said, philosophies and spiritualities and stuff. And so what, what, uh, what brought you to Buddhism? What attracted you to that? Because you, so as you said, you're going from like conservative Christian and now you you feel that Buddhism is a very strong path that resonates with you. Tell us, tell us why. Um, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist at this time because I'm still learning about gotcha. it. Um, uh-huh. And I definitely land more on the, um, I consider it a philosophy. There are religious aspects, but um, especially in listening to the Dalai Lama, uh, he really emphasizes this idea of this is more of a philosophy and all of um, the things that actually kind of kept me away from Buddhism for a while was the, the high, uh, masculine-led hierarchy. Um, and I was like, I don't want to be a part of any group that is discriminatory. I don't care, you know, that, you know, Christianity, like, I love Jesus still. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. is great. Oh, me like, too, yeah. Everything, everything he said was fucking spot on. But mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the entirety of Christian community has continuously output pain and toxicity and as I mentioned before, it's not enough to have like, you know, not every Christian, not all men, like, it's not enough to have that. Like, if you're not cultivating a community, and and I kind of was touch and go with Christianity after my divorce, because as I mentioned, I was really conservative. And basically, I married my rapist, um, because I felt completely um, worthless that after I lost my uh, societal uh, construct, that is virginity, virginity, I was saving myself and, um, so I was like, well, if he doesn't marry me, I'll just kill myself. That's fine. And so I married him, and it was a very loveless relationship. And when we were getting divorced, I was just kind of like, okay, like, I did everything right. Like, I I was exactly who everybody told me I was supposed to be. I did all the steps. I prepared myself. I, I sacrificed. And, you know, we kind of touched on that, too, this, like, if anybody asks anything of you, give it to them. And uh, in Christianity, it's like, oh, do you want that thing? If you really love God, you'll sacrifice that thing at God's feet. And that's the mentality. So you're constantly like pain is good. Mm-hmm. If you're in pain, then you're you're making sure that Jesus's sacrifice wasn't in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm learning about Buddhist philosophy, it's more like centering your identity around creating good experiences for others, mm-hmm. um, but not at the sacrifice of mental health, physical safety, wellness, or the safety, health, and wellness of, of others. So, you know, don't enable bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's then not a sacrifice. It, mm-hmm. Then it's a shifting of perspective of every choice that I have Uh, throughout any day I could be choosing to you know if you're going to see the good in people it might be like driving down the street and just assuming that that person that's acting like an idiot getting on the on-ramp has never been on that on-ramp before and maybe they're scared and like put yourself in their shoes Mm -hmm. very different from like someone rear ends you and 
you're just like, well, it's okay, you know, and just like, I, I have chronic injuries and, and things that could have been taken care of that weren't because I was like, well, I could never sue somebody that's just not Christian, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that love I feel, um, is really beautiful. And I, I just feel like I'm connecting with it. And even with the gender stuff, like I love the Dalai Lama. He's great. He was talking about gender norms cause he did touch on the chauvinism that exists in a lot of sects of Buddhism. And he's like, okay, so trans people and queer people are completely legitimate because our, our souls aren't gendered. So if, if you're a, a female soul, and you end up in a male body, you might be a feminine man, or you might be transgender, or, you know, uh, some people have neutral souls. Um, so whatever body they're going to be in, and he's like, what a blessing for those to exist, because they're going to expand empathy for all of those groups of people. You know, if, if you existed in the world as a, a male soul in a, in a female body, you're going to bring the history of your experience to that existence. And in that lifetime, you're going to expand that experience for the people. Um, I don't know if this is making sense. Yeah, but, um, no, it definitely makes sense. And of course, like, I don't really believe in reincarnation. So the religious aspect, I'm, I don't really follow that. I mean, maybe I'm agnostic. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to claim to know that I know mm-hmm. that I know. Right. <laughs> like, uh, that I, I know that I don't know is the only thing that I know. Yeah, that's the only um, thing you need to know, actually. I say that quite often, yeah. yeah. As an irreverentist, yeah. I was like, that's the one thing I know is that I don't know, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, you, get, you, you always seek understanding, but there, there will always be things that you don't know that you don't know, which is why it's important to always push yourself to learn. Yeah, and then the one thing that you can actually know is like the the ultimate truth, which is, resides inside yourself, you know? It's like, I've I've like, done the meditations i've done i've touched these places of existence that they talk about uh in in buddhist doctrine and things like that and it's like these these places are achievable you just have to you got to do the work and you have to first believe in their existence you know one thing i feel like i'm going to start asking all of my guests too it's like if you had any advice uh because i realized there is no I had a hard time finding and I had a hard time finding anything like me that was like non-binary or, you know, um, until I came out and then people started finding me, you know. Um, so what if you had any advice of anyone that was trying to figure out or like questioning, are, am I trans? Am I this or like what, what would your advice be for them? I think the only universally applicable advice I could ever give is live in empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I'm not talking um, empath. Like I feel people's energy. I am talking about um, if you see something and you recognize that you don't fully understand it, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the if, if you look at something and you kind of like that looks kind of weird or like why are they doing that? Like hold on to that acknowledgement that there's something that you don't understand and seek out understanding it. Look at the history. Talk to the people that it's involved um, because you're never gonna access those things that you don't know if you don't explore areas that confuse you <laughs> um, and you're gonna learn it so it's not a <laughs> I, I think the the best way to learn about yourself is to seek to understand others because you're gonna you're gonna have a reaction to it you're gonna either feel connected to it and if you're angered by it why are you angry about it you know like just seek to understand others and you'll 
you'll understand yourself. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point, too. And I would, I would expand upon that is, yeah, don't be afraid to push into the unknown. Um, because that's where all the, the good bits of truth lie, you know, is because like if if you feel called to question something, well, don't be afraid to question it, you know, like just go down the path and see where it takes you. You don't have to uh, you don't have to immediately be like, this is me or that. You just, you know, spend some time unpacking it, you know, because like for me, like what people don't see, like they they see a post on my Instagram where I come out as like trans and like autistic and, you know, it's like. What they don't see is like the entire like entirety of my life that it took to figure that shit out, you know, and it's like and how much it helps me now that I understand it. But, you know, to a lot of <laughs> followers, they're like, oh, your page is, you know, just nothing but about being trans now. And it's like, dude, I haven't been able to say anything about it for 32 years of my fucking life. And I've made it. I counted. I've made exactly seven posts about being trans. And then like, oh, now that's, you know, it's just like how can how can we express ourselves but it, then we get like whomped with this like oh now all you want to do is just say that you, you know talk about trans stuff but it's like hey now that i know i'm a part of community i acknowledge the issues with the community and i'm trying to spread awareness and i'm trying you know what i mean and it's like it's, it's weird because like once you figure yourself out and you become part of a community then you realize this is this is bigger than yourself because you because i thought i was so uh different i didn't i didn't think there was anyone at all like me i thought like there's no way that anybody is like me you know but then now the more i talk about who i actually am the more i find people that are just like me and that's awesome that's really cool you know but then it then it comes with like all right well what are all those people that are like me around the world what's their life look like and then you start looking and then you're like oh it's not what I thought it was, you know, like, because I was like being on the other side of the, the LGBT community when I thought I was just, you know, uh, just a straight hetero male, you know, I had a vision of the, the LGBT community was so uh, galvanized, it was so together, it was so like loving, and everybody was on the same board and like, and you know, but then it's like, once you actually enter the community, you see the reality is, is different. And it's because of so much societal stress is put within the community and all this division, you know, but it's just, it's kind of an eye-opening, uh, sobering experience, I suppose. And I mean, all the subjects we talk about overlap. And so a lot of the like advice or experience overlaps too. And, it, you know, this idea of like passing culture also goes to this idea of arriving. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'll never arrive. Yeah. Like, who am I right now? And it's not, you know, it, that is a scary thing to say in the queer community. And this is why it we feel like we have to be galvanized is because if I say, well, this is who I am today, what that's going to trigger a lot of listeners who are in the queer community is this feeling of that's what people tell them is like, well, you feel like this right now, but it's just a phase, mm -hmm. you know, and that is so <sighs> I'm getting like emotional about that. Um, what that essentially does is take the thing that we're supposed to do and makes it a traumatic event. We are always supposed to be on a journey of understanding and growing and changing. When you change, you change. You know, movies I liked when I was a kid, I'm not really as into half of them. Some of them are exactly the same. Like, they're, <laughs> I will never get tired of Tank Girl. But like, <laughs> they're, um, you know, like Titanic can go fuck itself. Like, <laughs> but um, so there's this idea of like, if we show any hint of fluidity, which is where bi people, pansexual, gender, non-gender normative get erased is we aren't galvanized. We're fluid. We're moving around. And that can be perceived as like a watering down of identity. 
instead of like, instead of being like, I am all these things together. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I listen to this part of myself and it just comes out. And as an ADHD person, I feel like sometimes we hyper-focus. So it's Mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm feeling femme right now. Like, Ooh, I'm going to, you know, fix up. And then sometimes it's like, okay, I'm not going to wear a dress for three months, but outwardly it looks like I just don't know who I am. And it's like, no, I do know who I am. And who I am isn't tied down to any earthly, physical, singular expression of self. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man, you're really like rocking and rolling here. Like as soon as when you started from like, it's a constant like arriving and just everything you've said since then, it's, I'm like, wow, like that's that's some powerful stuff. I, it's so It's so true, you know, because that, yeah that really hits it where like why 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 are people so even within the queer community so weirded out by non-binary folks it's because like we encompass a lot of things you know yeah and you're right we are fluid and we're ever in a state of transition and it's like yeah like i might have a beard today but i might shave it tomorrow you know and it's like it's weird because like what i this is just this really is just an avatar and i dress it up to however i'm feeling which is what anybody does you know let's let's be honest so it's like but the only reason why people don't do it to its fullest extent is because society says that you've got to do it one way or the other mm-hmm. you know yeah exactly and like everybody would benefit from letting go of having to express yourself singularly um men would become less violent if they weren't demasculated because they're they have a waspy waist and they're tall and they've got elegant hair you know like he's still a fucking man or maybe he's not like you know like I i feel like everything like women would stop fighting each other so much if they weren't competing for reaching this ideal to attract this man who's trying to be masculine who really just wants to like paint figurines or something i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's like society has forced us into a box that nobody actually likes it's not conducive to like anybody's like happiness except for the people it benefits that's true yeah and and then we should ask ourselves like who does this benefit you know and it's like corporations Yeah, but see, and that's what's crazy is because, again, like, I keep going back to the word intersectionality and especially the phrase intersectionality of oppression. And, like, this is, we really need to start looking at this because that is, therein lies the thread of unity to which all communities can rally together to overthrow oppressive systems because, like, people are great and people are free. Our systems are oppressive and, and outdated. So... If we want to move into a new era of progress, the best way to do that is to unify and and have honest conversations about what's our institutions doing, what message are they sending, what are they trying to sell, because like everybody's fucking trying to sell something, and maybe we should stop stop trying to sell some shit and just try to like I don't know ex- coexist actually again and and find ways to do yeah. that, you know? Yeah, I gotta tell you, like when Adam Maroon's Everything came out, <gasps> I was just like over the moon. Because I was that I was fucking Adam my whole life. Me like, too. I made jewelry, and I went on the diamond rant constantly, and the wedding cakes, and the dresses, like everything. And um, I just loved that he presented it in a funny way. Because Absolutely. then I could be like, watch this clip. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Humor allows people to access things that are normally scary or threatens their existence. When you're able to laugh at it, that does open your soul to it a bit. But, um, you know, every pride, like I feel like an Adam every pride because I I try not to like tag anybody who has like flags and like gear and stuff. But I go on anti 
pride, corporate pride every year because yeah. oh yeah um i fucking hate it and it's oh, like is, yeah let's crack this uh, fucking again, topic open yeah this is a good good point yeah, let's do it hit me with it um i've never been to like one of the big pride events because i was like cops white gay dudes like i'm cool like i don't need to go you know but i had again it's one of those things where i was like what is the being completely outside of it i was like well how would i belong in the queer community and i just saw the people who are or the poster children which were the i have lots of gay white cis men in my life that i love dearly um <laughs> not not all not all gay men but primarily in that part of los angeles is all rich white men and uh, I was like, no, I don't belong to that group. And it's like, fuck you guys. Like, pride exists. Like, we are at, we're having this conversation right now because of black trans women. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about intersectionality. It's like, they are always at the forefront. They are always the ones that throw the brick first. Oh. And they're always the ones that get swept under the rug and erased from the history books and are not the poster children. And oh. it's like... Oh, it's, it's just, yeah, that, that goes back again. It's like, why are the poster children for, like, um, you know, why is it, like, cis, like, men in drag, you know? It's like, that's that's the poster children of drag. But, like, drag was started by trans people. Like, how could you separate the two and then say... Ah, even to the point where you're saying, like, nah, you can't be trans and do drag. Like, who would say that? You know, somebody did, apparently. Yeah. And then someone that is, like, very visible, you know? It's like, okay, well, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Um, oh, have you seen the the Life and Death of Martha Martha P. Johnson? It's a di- yes. Okay. It was yeah. fantastic. Incredible and also, documentary. Um, when we were talking episode. about, yeah, when we were talking about uh, uh, trans uh, visibility and, like, a really great documentary is also... So Disclosure was also a fantastic film because it really shows how all the way up until right now, like we as trans people have have never had good visibility and it's always men in dresses, women with dicks and, Serial and killers. these kind of caricatures. Yes. It was like almost oh, notably um, killers. Yeah. Yeah. Like no wonder you and I had no idea what trans people really were. Like I, I, you know, I use the word tranny and thought of it like if, if you said the word trans to me previous to eight years ago, I would have thought of a grubby looking woman of the night in really tacky clothes and probably a person of color. Yeah. You know? that's, that's the image like that's that. painted. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's fucking horrible. One of my favorite Pinterest boards is actually um, just vintage photos of queer people. Like, oh, nice. it gives me so much life because I'm like, they've always been here and yeah. they've always been gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. The more you start looking, the more you, the more wonderful things you find. And then you question, why haven't I seen any of this? You know, it's like I've, I've done a deep dive. I've started into uh, trans non-binary artists and uh, shout out to like Shay Diamond, first of all. Like, oh, my God, incredible artist. But um, I just... I'm noticing like a lot of transgender artists like don't seem to be that popular, but they're really incredible artists. So it's like, is that and is that like, you know, with the the risk of getting a little conspiracy theory here, it's like, I mean, there are systems in place that can increase or decrease certain groups of people's visibility. That's just how the Internet works these days. So it's like, is there a concerted effort to like sort of sweep people under the rug that are transgender? Probably, you know, I have to, I, I'm leaning on the side of yeah, but you know, I don't know. So I, uh, maybe I'll, I'll research this and uh, link the sources uh, later, but I don't think it's a conspiracy. Um, I think it's been pretty blatant. Um, yeah. I follow a lot of queer creators and people 
who talk about sexual health or sex educators and they're completely being erased but that you know to be cliche the beer commercial where beer's pouring down their tits that's perfectly fine mm-hmm. um but somebody talking about you know how uh trans men deal with dryness like that that's just too much you know yeah. Yeah. one of the things that like uh, i'm gonna i'm just gonna advertise porn now um oh, do it I, I love Not Safe for Work Twitter because it exposed me to self-producing uh, trans porn um, because, again, just like lesbian porn and anything that isn't... Even the cishet porn is usually pretty shitty, but like anything involving queerness is just way off the mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Not Safe for Work Twitter and, and uh, uh, OnlyFans, like, it's sex education. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, oh, like it's. I'm a huge proponent <laughs> like, of like pornography. Absolutely. Yeah, and I never would have said that before because I was exposed to uh, porn when I was eight, and I had a very morphed idea of what sex is supposed to be. Sure. Um, I thought, like, you know, I, I mentioned I married a rapist. You know, that is rooted in the way that porn is portrayed. Like, okay, I, you know, but with these self-producing creators. They're making stuff that's like real. Yeah, I, I'm with it, you. You know, it's not all real. They're still performers. Sure. Yeah. But but it's um, it's healthier. It it's does, healthier. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. I, um, you know, I've that's for me. Like I actually learned a lot of of my own sexual like knowledge came from pornography. I was like that was like one of my hyper focuses as like a young person. I was like literally like and it was I went from like pornography to also like erotic uh horror pornography and like hentai and like all of these like genres. Like I'm just, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's a part of who I am and like I'm not even ashamed of it, you know. Um but watching porn um sort of develop over the years is like yeah it used to be like a control like very like a weird cis hetero like patriarchy like in charge of and all of the porn was shot with a very distinct like felt very abusive to women you know it just did it like oozed and it was also like even when they were acting these um scenarios it was still you know where does that come from you know and, and what marketing are they catering to you know but over the years i've seen it develop and like yeah with the rise of only fans and people doing their own stuff like the one thing that i want to watch when i'm watching pornography is people enjoying sex i'll tell you that but that's my one stipulation well, like people they get... laughing in sex is my favorite thing right yeah it's laughing like that's real that's right. real shit. yeah <laughs> yeah totally but like yeah. this like anytime you like if i see a porn and it's like the people look maybe not there maybe they're on you know like a little bit out of it or so you know it's like I'm, I'm just not into it you know and and it's like i think as also there's so much power in pornography because pornography links us to our sexual our innate sexual power which is the lowest chakra the root chakra like creative energies like we have like we have been severed from and, and ashamed of our own bodies because like sex is magic and it's like and that's what the system doesn't want you to understand it wants you to be ashamed of your body so then there's more intersectionality of a system that wants you to be ashamed of your body in the first place when people are trying to be sexually free and liberated and discover their their selves for themselves uh you have a system that doesn't want that you know so but yeah. yeah, seeing like seeing so much like wonderful like new pornography come out that's made by people that are actually enjoying making the pornography is like I love it. It's awesome. You know what one of my favorite words is? What's that? Consentical. Consentical. That's a good one. <laughs> it's a tentacle porn, but with consent. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. Well, then I'm definitely a fan of the genre because yeah, that was like yeah. yeah, dude. Like, have you seen Yuritsuki Doji or like La Blue Girl? Like, those were like two like old school. I don't know. They're it's just like I'm more not gonna like recall horror erotic uh, hentai stuff, but it's like actually has a like, legitimate story and like amazing animation too. By the way, but you know, I've shown nice. many people that and like. I, I, that's also a, a puzzle piece that I realize like I don't know what social boundaries are because like a lot of my life I've just shown people like artistic pornography and never really thought anything was weird about it but like and then like, people are like okay dude uh, I know, was just like, but it, look it's awesome right you get it and they're just like okay yeah. dude I, sure <laughs> so I've always gone to churches that had some sort of like creative group and uh-huh. I was going to this one church and we did, they're like, okay, we're going to, before the service, we're going to, the art group's going to put up all their paintings. And we like picked a subject that was like talking about something we were going through. I don't remember exactly what it was, uh-huh. but the image that came to mind was like me completely nude and I'm like being bound by ribbons and there's a snake. Like, I mean, I'm just kind of like floating. I got floaty hair and like, you know, I did this thing and it's kind of dark. I made a frame for it or whatever. And I was uh-huh. like, you know, the hy- you understand the hyper focus. So I was like, yeah. oh. I know what I, what emotion I'm connecting to, and oh, I, I make it, blah, 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 put it up on the wall. I'm like, ah, here you go. And like my pastor rolls up, and he's standing next to me, and we're both looking at it, and he's like, "That's you naked, isn't it?" And I was like, "Mm, hmm." <laughs> 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 Did not occur to me. <laughs> you know, that's funny. It's like that brings to mind a story where, um, yeah, because I used to, I did the whole thing. I went to youth groups. I like, I grew up very, I guess, Christian oriented. You know, um, but there was when I was like uh, first grade or something. I don't. I like, I rented a Rocky Horror Picture Show from the library, and it, that I fucking loved that movie. But like, all of the sexual nature of that stuff was like way over my head. You know, I just like. I was like, this is incredible. These people are incredible. The songs are incredible. Like, everything is just awesome about this. Uh, so I brought it to uh, my friend's house, who was, like, a, one of the, like, super cultishly Christian people, like, households. And I brought it over, like, on a, like, a, during their family gathering. And I was like, here, can we watch this? And then his mom, like, looked at the back and was, like, reading the description. And it's like, with all the humps and the mumps and the sex. Just, like, reading all this, like, sexual stuff. And then, like, in front of their whole family. And I'm just, like, sitting there, like, uh, <laughs> we're not watching this. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, it just totally didn't, like, and, but it was, like, really, like, hella awkward. And I was like, I, like, hit the record player. And then everybody just, like, looked at me weird from there. But, but then... I went to with this friend to like one of their church activities and those motherfuckers because I was like I was like well can I at least show them the time warp song and they're like no no you're not showing them any anything here and I was like oh okay but then I went to their fucking church event and those motherfuckers did this like talent show or something and then one of the songs they used was fucking time warp and I was like I fucking see (laughs) fucking hypocrites You can't see the queers. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you just 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 uh, steal their music, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like fuck, man. <sighs> yeah, I had a similar experience of like church upbringing, and then like at youth group, like we watched Titanic together, and we're just like during the sex scene, and I was just like, okay, I like there's so much that I hide from like people because I'm afraid of how they're gonna perceive it, but we're still watching a sex scene at the youth group, like this is middle school. What's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it really boils down to, and that's why a big part of my message too is like destigmatizing sex work, and uh, you know, because like seriously, like 
it's the most like creative like it's literally the act of creation you know like why are we st- it's 2021 why the fuck are we still have like all this weird repressed sexual shit and it was like actually me doing my art therapy and i was i was painting a lot of like pornography and things at the time and it was like actually helped me figure myself out but like i, I share any of that and it was just like it was so uh, repulsive to so many people and i'm just like man like this is I I believe that most of our society, like a huge chunk of our problems, stem directly from sexual trauma and sexual misunderstanding. And if we could just actually open up a society where we could talk about these things without any kind of, you know, then like, then we can progress, you know, because like, nobody talks about sex in the first place. So how's anybody supposed to figure out their sexuality or their gender expression when like sex is this weird taboo topic that nobody likes talking about, you know? It's just strange. Europe's been confused about us for like decades of like, you guys like will show kids people's bodies getting blown up, but you can't tell them about their own bodies. Like, Seriously, yeah. Um, yeah, America, and I, I do feel like, you know, it is a push and pull of like the more people who are like, fighting for freedom it's <clears throat> i just watched another show miss america mm-hmm. mrs america miss america really really great series uh, uh about the women's movement in the 70s and they did a good job of showing the intersectional aspects of that too but there it, it was another moment where like i watched the show and when it ended i just had to cry a lot because i'm like yeah fuck like nothing's changed since like we think of the 70s as like the 70s was this huge movement and it changed everything and it's like no it like it was just like a hop forward on this path that we've always been on but that hop forward brought forward fucking reagan mm-hmm. so it's like we hop forward and then we get pushed the fuck back yeah and you know that happened with obama and then trump you know and it's like the more stride we make the the more we're going to have to fight. So, you know, it's... And it, yeah, it's definitely... It's it's going <laughs> to happen with Biden, too. You know, it's like... Because, like, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, somewhere along the lines, oh, progress became performative. It literally... It's yeah. like, how do we... Okay, we'll get together and we'll talk about solutions. We'll talk about what we're going to do. But nothing ever changes. And then it's like... Then you got to fucking, like, again, like, here's where the binary is harmful. We literally have a segregated government. Like, I'm just... Let's call it what it is at this point. It's like red versus blue. And then, meanwhile, everybody else suffers. But red versus blue, they get they get the fat paychecks for coming in there. They get fat corpo money, you know, for being there. They get mm-hmm. paid off to make decisions for corporations, like, you know? But it's like... Yeah. We're, pay- we're paying them to fight. Yeah. And then we're all suffering, you know? So it's like, again, there's another instance of why binaries are harmful because it makes it literally the the binary, it's only a thing because it creates two separate things, you know? It's just like, we need to stop creating separate things and and like, how do we integrate things and not at the expense of any individuals within the collective? And it's totally possible. It really is. It's possible, but we're fighting people's uh, strongest part of the brain, which is the fear center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I I have a family member who uh, our relationship's been up and down, but uh, we both have grown a lot and like we continue to try to seek to understand. However, there's some subjects that, you know, particularly about uh, patriotism. And I'm like, when I was crying myself to sleep when I was eight year old, I was like, why is my life more important than anybody else's? why like i was frustrated 
that when, when we talk about people's individual importance, I was like, well, why am I here in this comfortable bed while this person isn't? Like, why is my existing here more important? Like, I would really get lost in those ideas. So, of course, I never felt national pride Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, okay, so I happen to be born in America. Mm-hmm. There are things about America that I'm grateful for. There are a lot of things about America that I'm like, get your fucking shit together. Mm-hmm. Join the 21st century and stop being such dickheads. Yeah. But if just by saying, I don't believe that America is inherently better or that I should have pride for America because I happen to be born here was like the most offensive thing I could have said. And, but it, it bought like to me, I'm like, that seems like the most obvious thing. Like, so if my great grandpa didn't escape here from Poland during world war two, and I was like born in Europe, I would still have to have American pride. That makes sense to anybody. No, no, <laughs> Yeah, American American exceptionalism so my, is is the paint in which they gloss over entire like swaths of history. Yeah. Yeah, you know we're talking like we're see- I'm I'm very glad that the um, the schools in Canada are getting talked about right now. The mm-hmm. indigenous schools where they ki- kidnap kids and force them to do that. Oh, check it out. Those um, those aren't just in Canada. That. Though. That's the thing. They're they're all That's over what I was the U.S. Say. Yeah, I got a whole like I'm That's lining what I was up say, like. like... <laughs> I'm reaching out to people and like I'm going to interview a lot of people right. about uh, that because I've spoke with the Kumeyaay people in past episodes and they were telling me about so I'm going to do a deep dive into that. Uh, yeah, because once that nut cracks open, like people are going to see America very differently uh, because yeah. you know, that shit's so fucked, man. Yeah, I was fortunate enough. Um, I was that weirdo in college that like instead of taking Anthropology 101, I took like History of First Nations People 405. Nice. Um, <laughs> Just for the hell of it. Um, So I was fortunate enough to like learn about treaties and how fucked those are and also the schools, Carlisle schools. Um, So when we're talking about Canada and I've I've seen this one graph go around and it's just like four of them marked off in the total uh, bodies uh, that they've counted so far, just those four buildings. Mm -hmm. And there's like hundreds of, of, of buildings. And like you look up the numbers for the ones that are in the USA, it's quadruple that. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's fr- it's frustrating. Yeah, there's uh, for sure. I forget the name, but they they appoint uh, man. I, I should know her name, but or their name, um, but uh, appointed uh, Native American first Native American cabinet member, I think, uh, in Biden's administration. And I read an article that they're actually they're going to be opening a committee to check out the schools in the U.S. But I I'm just like I think it's something we need to be watching for sure. Because uh, if that does push through, then you know that they're going to try to spin it some kind of way or try to minimize the the fallout or something. But I'm surprised that it's even like on the books that like someone's like allowing someone to do that. So let's see if it happens, you know. But if it doesn't happen, we as people have we should be speaking up and speaking out about these things because like your voice is powerful. That the best that the most evil thing the system did is convince you that you're you're worthless and you have no power, you know. But actually yeah. everything you do is power and everything you do is a chance to uh stand up against the bullshit systems, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like your sexuality takes educating, you're like, "Well, I didn't know." And it's like, "Well, when you heard it the first time, did you look it up or did you just go, "Oh, that's a thing I don't know about. Doesn't bother me." 
Was there anything that we talked a lot about? And I would love to have you back too, because like you're you're an awesome conversationalist, and I'm sure there's many topics we can explore like in depth and stuff. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't get to particularly today? You know, like my ADHD brain's very like now and not now, and I was like, I don't remember what we talked about. <laughs> I mean, it just like comes. It's, I rant at people a lot because uh-huh. like something will come up, and I'm like, don't open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, man. I will I talk it. for. We'll talk for half an hour straight, and I won't think about to talk about it on my own. But um, um, the word shyster was used, okay. and it's anti-Semitic. Oh, um, is it? Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, it, it uh, refers to, it's basically like getting gypped. Um, ah, yeah. Uh, shyster is a, a Jewish business person trying to rip you off. That's, that's, thank you for letting me know that. Yeah. Well, um. Thank you so much for joining. This is like, I, you've given me so much to just kind of like unpack and think on. And uh, and yeah, just thank you so much for just such a wonderful conversation. Yeah. And I mean, I, I thank you too, because it, don't cry, right? Um, like, I, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I did make a bunch of uh, reels, not reels, stories on Instagram that like reposted the thing about DJ because... Like, it really has been exciting, and, like, I feel like an honor to get to see Brandon come out. And, like, you know, I never even thought that your name was something. Like, I never asked you about SIG because I was, like, it maybe it's short for something, whatever. But as, like, a person who's, before I knew what dead names were, was, like, if someone introduces themselves, then that's who they are. So don't question their identity. But... Mm-hmm. There's been a few people recently where there's always been this thing where I'm like, I feel like a part of them, like I, there's a big part of them that I'm not seeing, or there's a big part of them that seems like they're hurting. But our our interactions with each other have always mostly been at work and like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, busy LA lives and being creatives and having ADHD. And um, so getting to see that part of you come out and like, I'm just a couple years ahead of you on it. Um, so getting to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know it's like i i like i came out when i was in a cishet monogamous relationship and then i was like so i'm genderqueer so i'm bi so i'm poly <laughs> like um and so like even though i was coming out i was with this person i wasn't getting to explore any of those things and then I, I was like, I'm going to break up with him. And then I moved out to Columbus in the pandemic. <laughs> so then I was like, I'm ready for pussy, but it's a pandemic. <laughs> so, like, getting to, like, root with you has been very, like, keeping me busy during the oh, pandemic. Right like, on. Yay! <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that. I really do. Because, yeah, it's it's been, a, it's been a mixed bag of, like, amazing, incredible, wonderful, supportive people. And then also, like, just, like really not so supportive and just digging up old traumatic things but overall all good because like i said anytime something that someone says hurts me i immediately look at what's my underlying trauma that is associated with this and when you address those things and you really honor them and you take the time to give them the emotion that they deserve um then that's how you can release them you know because the only thing holding us back are is our traumas and the more that we all collectively and individually do trauma work, the, the exponentially this world will become a better place. Yeah, I totally agree. 
if you ever get inspired by like a topic or something just hit me up and we'll like we'll do this like anytime because this was like really pleasant I, you're really great to talk to you know, like a really a lot of really awesome perspectives so thank you so much me too <laughs> all right Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so if you dig Sputron and you want to help support the creation of it, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rancig, R-A-N-C-I-G. Uh, sometimes I post bonus episodes there, but also there's like all of the pornographic work that I do that I can't show anywhere else is on there. Um, Ranny also contributes to it. So there's like, there's, there's just so many cool, like there's bizarro behind the scenes. Like you get all kinds of awesome stuff on our patreon so uh and it's pay what you can so you could join for as little as a dollar and get access to all the content and check out the next episode which we further dive into trans issues and lgbtq issues uh with my favoriteest person ever diana on the next episode it's a conversation you definitely do not want to miss